The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. In the course of his teaching, Jesus said to the crowds, Beware of the scribes who like to go around in long robes and accept greetings in marketplaces, seats of honor in synagogues, and places of honor at banquets. They devour the houses of widows and, as a pretext, recite lengthy prayers. They will receive a very severe condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. Calling his disciples to himself, he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury. For they have all contributed from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to Jesus Christ. This is a gospel we're all pretty familiar with, I think. The widow's might, as we commonly refer to it. And it's a great story just on the surface. Jesus is there at the treasury, in the temple, observing people coming and putting in money for the collection. And he's just commented on the scribes and how they seek these places of honor and the greetings and the marketplaces and so on and and how they even devour the houses of widows. So in other words, they're, they're greedy, they're selfish. They're taking from the poor to satisfy themselves. So the disciples are watching all of this, perhaps impressed by some of the fancy clothing and the large amounts of money that are being put in the collection. But then classic Jesus, he sees the heart of this poor widow. And he wants the disciples to notice that she, in her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. So that's inspiring. We can read that and think, wow, that's, that's pretty good. I, I, I admire that. But I think we have to go a little bit deeper to appreciate where this poor widow was coming from. And I think the word poverty is not just referring to how much money she had, but her heart. She was poor in spirit. The very first line of Jesus' most famous sermon, his Sermon on the Mount, was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he was trying to draw our attention to a fundamental attitude that we all have to have in order to have a deeper faith, a more lively faith. 
And that's humility. Poverty of spirit, humility, pretty much the same thing. But it also includes something very important that's related to today's gospel. And that's a spirit of dependence. A spirit of dependence on God. And that's hard for all of us. And that's one of the things I wanted to highlight here today. But before I do, I have a little story. When I was a college student, I had a part-time job as an after-school caregiver at the local Catholic grade school, St. Patrick's, in Ripon, Wisconsin. And I felt like kindergarten cop, remember Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because I was playing college football at the time, and most of the kids were really tiny, like kindergartners and first graders. And so I had about 12 or 13 of these little kids, and here I was, big college football player, trying to keep up with them after school. It was pretty entertaining. And one day, I'm at Mass then, on a Sunday, and it just dawned on me. Maybe it was even this very gospel, I don't remember. But I thought to myself, as the basket was being passed around, you know, I don't know if it's such a good thing that I'm spending more money on beer than I am putting in the basket. And so I was challenged. The Holy Spirit was challenging me. Do I put more money in the basket than I spend on beer this weekend? And so I reached into my pocket and I pulled out a crisp $5 bill. This is 1993, mind you, okay? So, you know, that's when $5 really meant something, right? And so I put my $5 in the basket, took a deep breath, and that was that. I said, okay, Lord, there you go. Trying to be generous here, trying to trust in you. Well, that, the, the following Friday, payday, the principal would pay me in cash on Fridays. And that particular Friday, after I put the $5 in the basket, he gave me a $10 bonus. I was just like, okay, Lord, I hear ya. And there's a good little saying that God will never be outdone in generosity. It doesn't always show up like that, that's for sure. However, God was trying to encourage me, no doubt, as a young adult, to trust him. Because I don't know if I had already felt called to the priesthood at that moment or not. But the fact was, he was going to ask me to give a lot more than $5 very soon. So he was preparing me. So there's a level of trust that God wants us to have in his providence so that we can learn to depend on him. If you look at that word providence, you see there the word provide. God likes to provide for us in every way. And I think it's safe to say this poor widow today believed that. And she literally put her money where her mouth was, you could say. She was trusting that God would provide for her. And I think that's something we all struggle with. It sounds good. 
We admire it in other people, especially in the saints, for example, or other people we may know. But it's something we always have to wrestle with, I think. Especially in our culture, our society, we take such pride in being self-sufficient, self-made, and so, etc. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think it's important that we always look to where our help comes from. Ultimately, where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. In fact, when a bishop gives his final blessing at the end of a Mass, if he does the solemn blessing, the Pope does the same thing. He'll say, our help is in the name of the Lord, and the people respond, who made heaven and earth. So that's ultimately where our help comes from. And again, we we all know that intellectually, but for it to really sink down into our hearts and to influence our behavior, that's the challenge. It's a grace. We just can't decide to do it. We have to receive God's help, his grace, to behave that way. Because it doesn't just show up in financial matters, it shows up everywhere. In all of our relationships, not just with God. And so a certain interdependence on one another is healthy. It's how God made us. And Jesus himself, the Son of God, emptied himself. He became poor so that we could become rich by his grace. So again, as in everything in our faith life, Jesus is the model. Christ is the model. And he chose to become poor. He chose to be born poor and live poor. He chose to die poor in order to enrich us. He always was depending on the Father. He had to depend on Mary and Joseph as a baby. And when he went to the cross, he had to trust in his Father. That the Father would raise him up in the Spirit. And that's what happened. What's coming to my mind right now is, for example, a fear of death. Where does a fear of death, an unhealthy fear of death, come from? I think it comes from a lot of self-reliance. If you're constantly relying on yourself all through life while trying to have some kind of faith, well, at the end of your life, it just clashes. It doesn't work. And if we want to have more peace, more joy, well, then we should ask God to help us trust in his providence each and every day. And then to thank him whenever we see it. When you receive that $10 bonus on Friday afternoon, thank God for whatever it is, because God provides for us in every way, like I said. The air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink, the clothes we wear, the friendships we have, the family we have. It's all a gift. And if we can live like that, we can live a lot more joy, 
and a lot more confidence, a lot more freedom from fear and freedom from the stuff that we all need. But as a very wealthy person once told me, a friend of mine was like, yeah, Father, I've kind of come to learn that the more things I own, the more, the more those things own me. The more things I own, the more those things own me. So now I'm trying to get rid of a lot of it. Simplify. There's a lot to that. There's a lot of wisdom to that. As Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where's your treasure? What do you look to in order to fulfill yourself? I just came back from a theology of the body retreat this past week with Christopher West in Pennsylvania. There were 80 people there. And we talked a lot about eros, eros and agape. What is eros? It's that longing for the truth and the goodness and the beauty inside of all of us that God put inside of all of us. A longing for love, a longing for union and communion. Ultimately, it's a longing for God. So one of the questions we were asking ourselves all week long is, where do I aim my eros? Where do I aim my eros? And really, we're all called to aim our eros, our longing for happiness and love, to God. We get in trouble two ways. If you try to be a stoic and go on the starvation diet, as Christopher West calls it, you repress that desire. You don't trust God with that. Or you might be an addict or go on the fast food diet and and aim your arrows at all of the things of this world to try to fulfill that hunger in your heart. So both of those don't work very well. (laughs) What's the third option? The third option is to open up that ache, that longing, that arrows to the Lord and trust that he will fulfill it. That he will satisfy the hungry heart as we sing. Christ will satisfy the hungry heart. So let's pray today that we can entrust our desires, our needs of every kind to the Lord. Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And I want to better perceive how you are providing for me in every way so that I can trust in you more and be filled with great confidence in your providence and be filled with the fullness of God. Amen.